From the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania and Sirius XM, this is the Work and Life podcast, which explores how to create harmony among the different parts of life, work, home, community, and the private self, your mind, body, and spirit. The conversation you're about to hear was originally recorded on the Work and Life radio show on Sirius XM 111, business radio powered by Wharton. Here's your host, founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and author of the bestseller, Total Leadership, Professor Stu Friedman. The revolution will not be televised. It'll be podcasted here on Work and Life. Welcome. Today's guest is Matt Schneider, who is a modern revolutionary in the work and life world. Matt is the co-founder of City Dads, which is the largest organized community of fathers in the United States, with more than 8,000 fathers in 26 cities. City Dads helps fathers support each other and redefine what it means to be a dad in the 21st century. Matt works with reporters, commercial brands, entertainment companies, and others to encourage more accurate and positive portrayals of fathers and fatherhood in the media and in advertising, in addition to cultivating a community. We talk in this episode about his experience as a stay-at-home dad and how that motivated the founding of the City Dads Group, the importance of this community in which fathers learn from each other about their experiences with feeding children, getting them to sleep, talking to your companies about taking family leave, negotiating the social dynamics of the playground. Women have formed these kinds of supportive communities for, for some time now, but men have not. This is new. We talk also about negotiating parental responsibilities between partners, uh, husbands and wives, including a live example of, of this that came up in, uh, in Matt's figuring out how he was going to get childcare to cover the time uh, that he was going to need to come down to Philadelphia to our studio for this, for this conversation. We talk also about the difference between being merely involved or available if needed, versus being responsible for and owning the parenting project. And as a special bonus, in this episode of the podcast, we've included a couple of stories of listeners who called in to the SiriusXM Wharton radio show, and each one of them has a, a unique and a compelling story about, about being a father. So now, without further ado, here is my conversation with Matt Schneider. Matt, welcome to Work and Life. You're going to bring a tear to my eye. Thank you. That's uh, an amazing introduction. Well, uh, you're an amazing person, Matt. I actually, you know, I have great admiration for what you've done and see you as a kind of revolutionary. Uh, you know, th there is a revolution happening in our society with respect to the roles that men and women are playing. And you are really in the vanguard of change uh, with respect to the roles that men and women play. And so... Uh, give us the brief backstory on City Dads. Uh, what was your motivation for starting it, uh, and 
How has it grown or changed since I saw you last three years ago here in this, uh, at, uh, on our show? Yeah, well, almost nine years ago, uh, my buddy Lance Sommerfeld uh, decided to stay at home. I had been at home for three years with my son. He wanted to be at home with his son. We were teachers together at PS86 in the Bronx. He, had, he says he follows, followed my footsteps into a role of an at-home dad, and he looked at me uh, three years into being an at-home dad and said, what have you been doing? Uh, there's nothing for dads in New York City. There are mommy and me playgroups. There mm-hmm. are mommy and me classes. What have you been doing? And I said, I've been hanging out with mommies. I've been hanging out with nannies. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that's not good enough for me. Let's start something for dads. And that's how NYC mm-hmm. Dads Group started uh, November 2008. We've now grown from just New York City to 26 cities across the country trying to create a community of dads. And it's not just at-home dads. Uh, it's mm-hmm. dads of all stripes, working dads, uh, dads across the economic spectrum, racial spectrum, uh, gay dads, single dads, uh, really trying to create a community with that bond of all of us being fathers. Uh, if if you could just give us a little bit more of your backstory. It's your 20-year anniversary uh, as an alum of, uh, of the Wharton School. Uh, when you first graduated, you didn't just jump right into uh, stay-at-home fatherhood, no, right? I was thinking as you were doing the introduction, what else would I have done with my Wharton degree that would have me sitting here with you talking <laughs> about... Uh, my life and, and my work. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in telecom. I went to work for GTE at the time, mm-hmm. then eventually merged with Bell Atlantic to become Verizon. I worked in their internet arm, uh, was a product manager doing marketing around the world um, for a company called that became Genuity. Um, and I got married uh, and moved to New York City. My wife worked at Goldman Sachs and uh, I was given the opportunity to change careers and do something different, so I, I decided mm-hmm. to join. Uh, it's called the New York City Teaching Fellows Program. It pulls people from different walks of life. The telecom industry had kind of busted in, mm-hmm. in the early 2000s, and I saw an opportunity to do something different uh, and spent my time before fatherhood uh, as a teacher at, in the Bronx. So you were doing work in human service and caring for children uh, uh, you know, before you became a father, yeah. which, which is kind of unusual for Wharton grads. Uh, yes, I thought that was going to be my big leap from my Wharton education was was entering teaching. Little did I know that uh, I would be a home with leap. my kids for uh, for the last twelve years. Did, you know, how did your Wharton classmates respond when you decided to become a teacher? And th- and then we'll get to the next the next step in your in your journey. You know, my friends have known me forever. They weren't mm-hmm. surprised. Um, that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I think especially with the economy the way it was at that point and, and watching uh, the work that I was doing kind of fizzle out, uh, a lot of my friends were taking the opportunity to do something different at that point in time. Most of them weren't leaving business altogether. But I have a friend, for example, that went to midwifery school after hmm. uh, sh- she decided that her career in consulting wasn't wasn't doing it for her. So I think at that time, uh, some other people were, were doing something different. I think probably more of my guy friends were, were surprised. My family was certainly surprised that uh, I kind of left my Wharton education on the table to go pursue a master's in education and, and a career teaching in New York City Did they give schools. you a hard time about that? Were they challenging you? In, in why, why did you waste your Wharton degree on becoming a teacher? Nobody has ever said that. I think and everybody <laughs> recognized that, that uh, teaching is, is just as valuable, if not more. I, I mean, was being facetious, I know of course. you were. Of course you were. Uh, just making um, sure but you But certainly understood. you can imagine people saying, 
how can you waste your Wharton degree? Mm-hmm. How can you waste this kind of stepping stone you've been given, mm-hmm. this resume you've built? Uh, and that certainly at this point, I'd argue uh, everything I learned is wh- at Wharton is being applied to what I'm doing now. Really? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm running a business now. Um, it's it's uh, it, some, people often think we're a nonprofit. We're very socially minded. Our mission is definitely social, but we have we have a small business now that I'm running or so, helping to run. So you're no longer a full time stay at home dad because you are running City Dads. I I now say I'm an at home. I work at home dad, so I still okay. work at home. We don't we don't have an office, but I'm often out at meetings. Mm-hmm. I I do go to conferences. I do. Speak, I go out speaking and that kind of stuff. So certainly, I, you're here tonight. I'm here tonight. Somebody's taking care of the kids. My wife is. My wife adjusts when the, these types of opportunities come up, and we really do have a balance. I stayed at home um, early on to make sure that she could focus on her career, and that has allowed her to blossom. But we're at a point now where she can flex a little bit when needed, mm-hmm. and I can move move into the workspace more and more, especially as our kids get older. And they are how old now? Uh, Max is 11 and Sam is 8. And any more on the horizon? No, or? no, we're done. We're, okay. we're very done. All right. So, <laughs> so talk more, if you could, about what it is that, uh, that, that you and Lance needed uh, when, you, when you realized we need more than just us. We need a community. We need, we need to be with other people who are in, situ- in, in the situation, in the, in the rather unique and perhaps stigmatized situation yep. that we find ourselves in. What, what was it that you were seeking? Well, the credit really goes to Lance for needing a, a community. He did not. He was not satisfied with going out into the world and hanging out with moms and nannies. He's a very social guy, really outgoing, um, and and needed a community. What I needed at that, at that time was something to focus on other than being Max's dad. Um, I needed something to build, and that that I think is it's been a great partnership because Lance loves being out in the world, mm-hmm. meeting dads, hanging out on the playground with with our community, and and I've come to love it too. But I'm not nat- naturally an ex- extrovert. I'm mm-hmm. not looking for people to hang out with uh, naturally. So um, I definitely have pushed beyond my boundaries to host meetups and and host conferences and that kind of stuff. So the the work of growing this organization has stretched you in terms of your personal and and professional skills. Absolutely. And anybody that has stayed home with their children and called themselves an at-home parent for a a period of time, I don't know exactly how long that is. Mm -hmm. I I was home for three years. Looking back, I can tell that I lost myself. uh, I lost some confidence in myself. Mm. Um, I I remember telling Lance we we were in uh, Cranes, New York, um, and we had some other oppor- media opportunities come up, and I said, "No, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to do any media opportunities. I, I don't. I don't really have anything interesting to say about about this world." Um, and certainly hmm. over the over that time, and quickly, I adjusted. Um, but I, I was Max's dad. I didn't have any identity that was my own, and I uh, really thank Lance for pushing us to start this. And I really treasure the last nine years of of being able to build what we've built. Is that a common experience, the sense of losing your identity uh, to, uh, to fatherhood, if that's, quote, all you're doing? I think so. I mean, I've talked to many at-home dads. Most of the at-home dads now that I talk to are guys that are helping run or are active members of our groups around the country. So hopefully they're not 
losing themselves. Hopefully they're, they're jumping ahead mm. and not having that experience. But I've certainly talked to a lot of moms, at-home moms, mm-hmm. that feel lost. And they, especially sure. those Wharton-type moms that had big careers before they, they worked um, or before they stayed at home. You, you definitely lose something by being at home and focusing on kind of that caregiver role mm-hmm. uh, doesn't allow you to blossom in other areas. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm personally proud of the way that I've been able to continue to be a caregiver, and I think mm-hmm. my boys and my wife would agree that I, I'm still um, doing a, a pretty good job at home, getting dinner on the table and getting laundry uh, done and getting camp forms signed and doctor's appointments made mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I now can can stretch in these other areas uh, that, of course, is good for me and that therein is good for my family. So your kids are old enough now at 11 and 8 to to see you uh, through a different kind of lens than they did when they were young. What's their take uh, on the uh, unique family structure that they grew up in? Have, are they aware? And if so, what do they think about? How do they feel about you know, the fact that uh, yours is a, a different kind of uh, um, parental uh, arrangement than probably most of their friends? I think they're aware. The, f- the fact that they've grown up with NYC Dads Group and City Dads Group allows them to see that it's not that of course that uncommon to to have dads that are caring mm-hmm. for their families while moms are at work. Uh, so they know that there are a lot of people out there. We have almost eighteen hundred dads, or we have over eighteen hundred dads in our group in just in New, New York. York City. Right. So, so for them, it's normal. For them, it's normal to see dads, and even at school now, you see dads dropping off. Mm-hmm. I was co-president of the PTA with another father at the school so it's wow. he was he was a working dad but we decided we would run the PTA together mm-hmm. and it was a great two years and hmm. um, a, a great experience for the school so I think they're proud and they're excited that I'm at home they're proud of hmm. of hearing about me being on Sirius XM Wharton radio uh-huh. um, and they, they see me not I mean they see me and the role and, and the work that I'm doing and I'm, I'm very happy about that the uh the the work that you did in the PTA, uh, so you're you know, stepping up as as a leader in the in the school community, um, and your kids benefited from the City Dads group because uh, and it's maybe that's not something that you had thought about when you first formed it, but clearly by their having all different kinds of uh, models to see as what's possible and what's normal, what's out there. Uh, it, it helped them to uh, just feel at, at home, even though in a, in another it, like without city dads, it was just you making it work uh, somehow uh, among all the nannies and moms at the playgroups. It it might have been different for your kids, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I think New York City is a little more accepting right. of different types of families, mm-hmm. um, and that's what's been fun about seeing these groups across the country grow. Seeing seeing the Dallas Dads Group come together in at the big park in in Dallas, 14, 15 guys coming from the whole Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex to uh, meet at the playground with their kids on a Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., they never would have found each other otherwise. So it's, it's it, I think it's, would would have been hard in New York. It would, it's, it's nearly impossible in most other places around the country still. Mm-hmm. 
So that's that's the uh, that's what's on the horizon, which I want to get to shortly. But first, if you could say more about what is it that City Dads does, like aside from getting together? Yeah, like, first and foremost, we are a meetup group. We're organized on all of our groups are organized on meetup.com. So if you go to a meetup and search for a dads group in your city, uh, likely you'll find a City Dads group there. And we've got organizers in each city that are planning opportunities for dads to get together, often dads with their kids at a playground or a museum or a park. Today, Lance was out uh, playing soccer in Central Park with his daughter and six or seven other da- other dads playing with one- to two-year-olds playing soccer with super soccer stars. Mm-hmm. Um, dads in Fresno just had a bowling night the other night. They had a dad's night out and decided to go bowling. And they Fresno, California, these dads are coming from the area mm-hmm. uh, to come hang out. And th- this is their common bond is that they, they are dads. Uh, it used to be my friend Jim Higley had a, had a podcast, and I was one of the guests on the podcast. And he likened our group to to the old days where men would gather in the bowling league or the Elks Club, and and he he called us the new the new bowling league because mm-hmm. men don't really have an opportunity to get together, and we're, we're trying to create those opportunities, whether it's with our kids uh, and experiencing life with our kids, or on our own grabbing a beer, or on our own. Uh, learning something. We do all sorts of workshops for these dads. Uh, we worked with Britax, the uh, the stroller car seat company, to do child passenger safety workshops. Hmm. Uh, we've worked with Plum Organics to do healthy food workshops uh, for dads. Turns out dads want to know as much about moms, about uh, keeping their kids safe and keeping their kids he- healthy, and we want to be that resource. So it's not just... Um full-time stay-at-home dads who are part of your group. No, not at all. Um, we learned that early on. Um, I think being in New York City, dads of all stripes started joining our group, teachers that had summers off, mm-hmm. uh, journalists that had flexible schedules, small business owners that could work whenever they wanted to, uh, photographers uh, also that could work whenever they wanted to, and then full-time working dads that could come out for at 8 p.m. on a, a Thursday night for to grab a beer or uh, meet up with us on the weekend uh, in the park. So it's really uh, recognizing that at- dads can be active whether they're working full time or not. Certainly, you're not. I'm not a better dad as an at-home dad than in- a guy that's working forty to sixty hours a week. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you know much has been said, of course, about the mommy wars over the last few decades. You know, the the people, the women who've chosen to stay at home to be full time caregivers or mostly full time caregivers versus uh, those who have um, pursued full-time careers. Uh, and uh, I, I don't want to comment on the state of that uh, you know, evolution uh, on the mommy side, but on the daddy side, I wonder, is there um, a similar kind of tension or you know, status jockeying uh, f- for uh, those uh, who are in your position uh, as contrasted with you know, what what is expected of and what most fathers do, which is to continue to work full time. In other words, do you do you feel that when you're with? What's it like when you're with? Uh, which, which must happen every day with uh, yeah. with uh, you know men who are full time fa- full time employed uh, and fathers. Um, what is you know? Is there a kind of uh, what is the back and forth there like? Yeah, I mean, it's evolved over my 12 years now being at home. When I started, when I was first at home, 
I would say I'm staying at home with my kids for a year, and I'm going to go back to my career in teaching. I was teaching before, and I'm going back. So I didn't embrace the role. At some point, I embraced the You didn't embrace the... the uh, I didn't embrace the label, stay-at-home dad. You I, had to somehow fudge it. Yeah, no, I mean, around I mean, and it. that's coming from uh, Wharton, a career in business, then a career in teaching, and now being an at-home dad. I was not ready to embrace that role. At some point, I embraced the ro- role fully to the point that I actually had trouble not embracing the role, and I refused to call myself any sort of working dad, even as we were building NYC Dads Group and City Dads Group, I, I hesitated to call myself anything but a stay-at-home dad. And wow. To really so you had, that, you had fully embraced absolutely. that, and that now was your identity, of which you I were needed. proud. That's what I needed. I needed to be that at-home dad. And I mean, looking back, well, it wasn't healthy because I kind of committed myself to being the best dad there was going to be. I'm going to make my kids food from scratch, and I'm going to take them to every cool opportunity in New York City. And I got crazy about it. And that's why I can look back at starting NYC mm. Dads Group and see how important it was for me to have something else to focus on other than my kids. Being the most effective dad Absolutely. in the history of the New York City. A, I'm going to be exactly, <laughs> not just New York City, the world. Ah. Well, so what what changed uh, when you first fully embraced th- that role, that identity? I, What changed for me was being proud of the fact that we were able to be in a position for my wife to work full-time and for me to be at home. Um, I think doing things like joining the PTA, um, and certainly starting NYC Dads Group is how I was able to fully embrace that. I'm, a, I'm an at-home dad, and if you dig a little deeper, I've got more to my story, and that's kind of where I, I left it. I was fine with people judging me if they weren't willing to dig in, but mm-hmm. if they were willing to dig in, I, I had a great story to tell, and I, I got very comfortable with that. And I don't need people in my life who, who hear my surface role and, and leave it at that, and I, that really doesn't happen anymore. I feel like um, the world is, everybody's got a story these days, and, and the world, I, I hear more guys that are jealous of the time that I'm able to spend with my kids and, and the role that I have than certainly any sort of judgment of me as a not working dad. So so there, you're, you, you meet people who are genuinely envious. Absolutely. I think dads, we, I always say in my our San Francisco Dads Group organizer, Mike Heenan, loves it when I say this. He made a meme about it for Facebook. I think this is the best time in the world to be a dad because our role is so much bigger than it was when my dad was mm. was was raising me. He, in that, in that generation, was very much seen as a, a paycheck right. and maybe a disciplinarian when he came when, when your father comes home exactly and dads now get to be so much more than that because we need to be our partners need us to be fully engaged in parenting as your kids do and our kids certainly do and we want to be like mm-hmm. it, it's amazing to be able to be on the soccer field or the playground mm-hmm. or out at the museums we just got back from a trip to italy and my son has hmm. been studying ancient rome in school, and we got wow. to walk the streets of Rome, and I couldn't be prouder of him mm-hmm. walking the streets, knowing mm-hmm. so much about Rome after after um, studying it at school. And I, I mean, I remember dreaming of that as being a father, being able to take my kids on a vacation mm-hmm. to a place that they had been studying in school, and mm-hmm. really showing them the real uh, life in the real place. And being able to experience that and, and embrace experiencing that is a great thing. 
A sublime experience that must have been. It was. Sure. That's I keep talking about that as kind of one of the highlights. He had a very specific statue of Julius Caesar that he wanted to get a picture with mm-hmm. for his school project and bring back to school. And then he had studied this very specific statue and how it came to be, and uh, we we walked right to it. And yet, most fathers miss that sort of intimate, deep connection to the. Uh, you know, to the minutia of their kids' development, as you were saying, in, in the starkest terms, just a paycheck and disciplinarian. And I agree with your colleague that, it, you know, the role in its expansion of, you know, what fathers are now encouraged to become is 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 an enrichment for everyone. Absolutely. Everyone wins. Absolutely. So why isn't this now completely normal? Or when will it be, Matt? I think we're getting there. I think we're seeing we're seeing so many changes in society. Certainly, women working more requires mm-hmm. their partners to fill in. Has to be. Has to be. There has to be something that picks up picks up where women have women aren't able to step up. So I think now partnerships are developed with that role in mind. We're doing this together. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it takes work to make sure that, that that continues. It's easy to fall into kind of the gender stereotypes of, well, you're the mom, you're going to get the call from the school, and if the nurse calls, you're going to be the one to, to go mm-hmm. pick up. You have to really work at, at making that uh, something that you you discuss and figure out and balance. And I think it, it's incumbent upon couples to to work out and, and maintain uh, the balance that they're looking for. There's no 50-50 right balance for every couple, but there is a not. balance that each couple needs to find right. and fight for, really. And and my wife and I, I mean, coming on this trip to Philadelphia, my wife had to figure out leaving work at, at the right time. Mm-hmm. And she happens to be the one that schedules the babysitter most of the time. So she was the one trying to figure out what time the babysitter was going to come so I could get on a train to come here. Mm-hmm. And we... And we we had words about the fact that I'm going on this trip. Mm-hmm. Why am I not the one that's organizing and figuring this out? Ah. And which is it's a reasonable question. There are times when I have, uh, <laughs> but we this simple decision about who organizes the babysitter can lead kind of down the road of well, you're organizing the babysitter, so you know when she's available. So why don't you buy the play tickets or the, and and make the dinner reservations and and all of the stuff that related to a night out on the town or a trip or whatever. So, it's a continual negotiation. Absolutely. And and that you both men and women need to uh push for what they want. Men don't want to be pushed out of of the work and women certainly don't want all of the work on their plate. The work of running the domestic organization. Absolutely. And I really think that's going to be we've talked a lot about men being involved. I hate the word involved dad because involvement kind of has has this peripheral nature to it. Like, if you call on me, I will be there for you. Not responsible. Not responsible. In your head. Taking, exactly, mind share is is the word that I use. Mm -hmm. It's I was the one that my son wants to go to summer camp. He wants to go to sleepaway camp. I was the one that did the research on that. We're going to be looking at high schools. I'll likely be the one who is figuring out the high school admissions process mm-hmm. and figuring out which schools we should apply to and all of that kind of stuff. That's in my mind. Um, you own that. I own that, You're and she the knows responsible that. responsible party. Exactly. Which is different than involved, involved dad. Exactly. Yeah, I'll be at the interviews. Because 
be, well, say again, what is wrong with that? I really do. I see involvement as kind of this peripheral role where I'm there as a resource. If you need me, you can call on me versus somebody who takes responsibility mm-hmm. and owns projects, whether it be getting your kid to the dentist or getting finding camp for your kids or uh, arranging the time for the parent-teacher conferences. One person needs to be on those duties and, and own them, and it can't always be just one person. Hi, this is Stu Friedman. I hope you're enjoying this conversation, and I'm just so glad you're listening. If you like the Work and Life podcast, I would personally appreciate your taking just a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you access this podcast, whatever your favorite platform is. We are relatively new as a podcast, uh, and our team is working really hard to bring you for free the best of the conversations that took place on my Sirius XM radio show but were previously available only to paid subscribers. So every positive rating and review helps us to grow our capacity to move faster toward the goal of sharing useful information and insights about how to create harmony among the different parts of life with people who wouldn't otherwise have access. So please do help us. And if you have ideas for what we can do to improve our impact please write to me at friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and now, back to the show. Matt, I was interested in hearing more about you know, the people who join City Dads Group. Why do they join now? I mean, certainly there are guys that are joining for all sorts of different reasons. We hear... Uh, guys looking for community. They're looking for for answers to the same questions that moms have been looking for. And that's what I've been talking about is we're trying to provide the same resources for dads that moms groups provide for moms. Uh, Moms more naturally gravitate together uh, with this bond of motherhood. It's taking a little while to get dads to think of themselves first and foremost as a dad and and to seek other dads. But I think they're, Mm -hmm. they're enjoying that opportunity to meet each other and talk about things like, What are you feeding your kid? How are you getting your kid to sleep at night? Hmm. How are you managing work? Um, What did you tell your boss when you found out your wife was pregnant and you wanted to take time off in in a company that doesn't have any paternity leave policy? Uh, So it's nice to have a community of dads that can compare notes with each other. Of course. Edgar is calling from Indianapolis, Indiana. Edgar, welcome to Work and Life. Thank you. Tell us your story or your question, Edgar. Well, I was, uh, I was, I have a 17 year old daughter and a 13 year old son. And, um, for the past 20 years, I've been the trailing spouse as my wife has climbed the corporate ladder mm-hmm. and she worked for an international conglomerate. So we've moved around a lot. And, um, I wish the group existed 17 years ago when my daughter and I were hanging out at parks in the middle of the day in Savannah, Georgia, getting weird looks and to top it off we're um african-american so for when people would see me out during the day with my daughter they'd be like man let's you know get strange looks and everything mm-hmm. and um my wife would travel and she would be fedex and breast milk back 
on yeah. a regular basis. And luckily, she'd be traveling to Memphis, where the main hub is. The hub. So, so it's still yeah, fresh. So, <laughs> still fresh. Still fresh. So she could drop it off at ten thirty at night, nice. and it would get there the next day. And a few times we missed the FedEx guy, so we had to get it. And I was on my last bottle. Yeah. He was gone for three or four days, so I had to kind of track him down and. He learned that, you know, if I didn't answer the door, more than likely my daughter and I were still asleep because I slept when she slept. So, uh-huh. um, and so the group sounds like it's a really great, great thing for stay-at-home dads. And um, I actually went to school on the weekends to get my master's degree. Wow. So um, I was home with her during the week, and my wife would have her on the weekends while I was in class working on my master's degree. So that worked out pretty well. So, um but yeah, it was a great experience. And the <clears throat> group that he refers to, we actually lived in Belgium uh, for about eighteen months. There's a group over there for stay-at-home husbands called oh. Studs, which is called uh, Spouses Ooh. Traveling Under Duress. And so those guys <laughs> nice. would get together on a regular basis. There was an Australian rugby player, six-four, you know, two hundred and sixty pounds, who'd come to the pub. Once a month, we'd get together and do different events. There uh-huh. was an officer from the British uh, military service. So there were guys, other expats, who would get together kind of like the dads do, right. uh, who stay at home full-time. And so just hearing them talk about that aspect of it reminded me a lot of the group that I was in when we lived in Belgium. So. That's, that's happening in New York. We've got guys from all over the world coming. They're following their wife uh, to a bank or to the UN or to some other sort of the company. Studs. The studs are coming to New York and, and across <laughs> yeah. the country. So uh, right. uh, they're well, loving you it. Know, but yeah, it's, it's great that there's an organization out there like this because, you know, I wish there was something. I would run in other women at school because I would attend events when my right. wife was traveling or different, you know, uh, volunteer and just do a lot of different activities. And I'd usually be the only male there or only dad. So, um, but so, it worked out really good. The kids enjoyed it. My mother-in-law didn't understand it initially. She was like, why isn't he working, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, once she saw how much of an impact it had on our daughter mm-hmm. and her development and things of that nature, she said, wow, you know, I can really tell that, it, you know, it did make a difference in her upbringing when she was in those earlier developmental years. How, so, how do you think it made a difference, Edgar? And then, Matt, I'd like you to comment on that as well. <clears throat> well, I, I think I got to do a lot more one-on-one interactions with her and everything, and that mm-hmm. Matt may be able to touch on this, but um, it, it was funny because my wife could be gone for three or four days, and the whole time she's gone, I'm serving my daughter hand and foot. But as soon as she stepped in the door, my daughter would, or and my son also, they looked back at me, and they were gone, so they would give all their attention to her, even though I, I had been, you know, doing everything mm-hmm. for an entire week. As soon as she stepped in that door... They devoted their full attention to her, you know. So it made me feel <laughs> it made me feel bad sometimes. Like, man, I've been here all week, and she's getting all the attention now, you know. But um, so I, I joke with my friends and family that even though, as a full time dad, you stay at home and you do everything. As soon as mom comes in the door, the at least my kids they knew who mom was and they wanted to be with her. So I was good in a way because it gave me, you know, the freedom to be able to do other stuff when she was home. Right. But, um, so, yeah, it's just from that aspect of our daughter being attentive. She listened mm-hmm. well at, a, at an early age. And my mother-in-law said that, that, that there were just small things that she noticed in her from being at home with me on a regular basis. 
than other kids who are in preschool or you know daycare at an early age. So. Edgar, your story uh, is is really remarkable. You're a hero to me and to many people who are listening right now. So I'm really glad that you called to share your story. Uh, please hang on. Our producer wants to speak with you about something. But uh, we're going to uh, go back to Matt now. And once again, thank you so much for sharing your story here with us on, on Work and Life. Edgar. Um, thank you. you know, th- this, the, the impact on the kids, I think, is, is really a, a very significant aspect of this movement to have fathers taking on responsibility as caregivers which Edgar spoke uh, so so poignantly about. Um, is that something that people who come to your group are thinking about, or is it more about their own needs for, like, how am I going to figure out my, my career, my social identity, uh, you know, the weird looks I'm getting at the playground that Edgar spoke about? Uh, it's all of that. I think, I mm-hmm. think certainly we, all of us as parents, want to have a positive impact on our kids. Mm-hmm. And if it means finding a community of other dads to help help do that, great. If it means uh, working or finding a resource at work, a colleague at work that you look up to and saying, how did you, how did you manage to do that? That's great too. And I really I want to reference the kind of, it's a privilege to be able to have one person spend full yeah. time at home that most people don't have. I think what I like about the way that society is moving is that both parents are actively engaged. And meanwhile, it's not just men and men and women or heterosexual mm-hmm. couples. Uh, gay men, le- lesbian women mm-hmm. are, are doing just fine, raising amazing families, um, having, having parents uh, on deck, uh, no matter who you are, whether you're doing it alone. I've certainly single, mm-hmm. single moms and dads also are are uh, doing well, um, and, and they're finding community in other ways and finding finding help in other ways. So uh, there's no right one right model. I, I love the fact that I've been able to be at home. I think it's been great for our family, for my wife's career, for mm-hmm. for my two boys, and, and for our two boys, and it's been great for me as well. So before the break, you were you were starting to tell us about um, the negotiation that you had with with your wife about who's going to arrange for you know just freeing you up so that you could come down to Philly and be with us tonight, um, and and that raises the larger question of how you have the conversation, how you start to have the conversation. There are people listening right now who are thinking, "Hey, I'd like to be you know more responsible as a father. I could see how that would enrich my life, help my kids, and indeed help me." And our marriage, but I don't know where to begin because I, 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 you know, none of my friends are doing this, uh, and you know, I'm sure my in-laws wouldn't be happy. So how do I even start to have the conversation well, with my I, spouse about that? I mean, I don't think you have to go from zero to sixty or zero to a hundred by going from working full time to being at home. I mean, being active and engaged at home means taking a Saturday morning and sending your partner sure. out and say. Go to the spa, go take a walk, go mm-hmm. meet a friend. I've got everything covered at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only way to do that is to be able to handle everything at home. And that, that starts at the beginning. You don't become a dad when your kid walks onto the, the little league field. You become a dad right at the beginning. And knowing how to change diapers, knowing how to give baths, knowing how to feed your baby gives your partner the opportunity to feel like she or he is in this with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You really just jump into it wherever you are. Um, it, it's not hard to start saying, 
I'll make breakfast this morning or mm-hmm. kids have camp coming up in a few months. Let me do the research for for that. And I think one thing uh, couples kind of get up, get caught up in is different standards for how things or what it means to get something What's done. What's clean? What is what is clean? What is re- what is fully researched? How, how does that look? And, mm. and sometimes guys say, "Well, my wife cares more about things being clean than I do, so she's going to do it." And that that doesn't work. You have to decide what what is the standard that we're going to meet for getting sheets into folded and into the closet. Mm-hmm. What can we agree upon that that being? And mm-hmm. whoever's doing it, that's the way we're going to get it done. Has to meet that performance standard. Yes, exactly. So you have to negotiate and get clarity and agreement on the performance standard. Right. Who's ever, you know, no matter who is doing that task. I think so, yes. That's work for you? That's working for me. And I think <laughs> um, it's, as, it's always, it's continuous because families' needs change over time. And, of course. Um, I mean, it, it's working for me, but negotiating and communicating is constant, and it's never—it's not always clean and easy. And of nobody, not. No, nobody listening should think that it, it is clean and easy. And um, you can, and I do get—we do get in arguments over mm-hmm. uh, some of this stuff. But both my wife and I are very good at putting it all on the table and kind of getting it out there and and getting it settled and and moving on. So it's it's working for us. You know, you really have to fully unearth what her anxieties might be about letting go of control. I'm sure that's something that comes up in your workshops. Uh, does it? I mean, how do you address this issue of negotiating you know, performance yes. standards and who controls what aspect of you know, the, domestic, the domestic organization? Yes. What do you teach about that? We do new dad boot camps three or four times a month in New York City, and topic number one is what we call gatekeeping. Gatekeeping, all right. This pressure on moms to be great at everything Mm. motherhood-related, and especially at the beginning needing to become the expert on it, pushing, elbowing out anybody else, dads included, until she's got it figured out, nobody else is going to figure it out before me. And then dads don't get that opportunity to change diapers. And you can imagine... The dad who, even if he spends two weeks at home on paternity leave versus his wife that is spending three months on the job as primary caregiver before she goes back to work. Right. Three months of training versus two weeks of training, you're already at at a disadvantage. So you really have to fight against that and figure Step out how aside, to make Matt, up Step aside, Matt. I got it. this. Exactly. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to mess it up. And that sounds great when you're thinking about changing poopy mm. diapers. But changing diapers is, yes, doesn't smell good, but those are bonding moments oh, with, with your children. I love children. changing my kids' diapers. I mean, are you it's, kidding? It's a moment, and you. Oh yeah, um, Patty's giving me a strange look from the from the control booth. Yes, those are some of the most glorious moments of my entire life. Are what you kidding? more important thing is there than taking care of the needs of our children? And Cannot that's a, think the of most it. basic need. Ab- absolutely. All right, uh, Kelly is calling from Washington. Kelly, welcome to Work and Life. Yes. Thank you very much. Great to have you here. Tell us your story or your question. Um, well, it's more of a story. I had uh, me and my wife decided to open a dance studio, and at the time I was in sales, and we were having our second kid. And of course, everyone in the high-end home theater business was bailing out right before the one of the crashes. So she said, "Boy, why don't, why don't you just stay home? It'll it'll save on nanny and me going to work, and and uh, we'll just make this dance studio thing work." And it was probably one of the best decisions I ever made because it allowed me to raise raise two of my girls, and I was able to 
uh, basically remodeled the house while while the girls finally made it into school, and I just love it. Hmm. How how old uh, are your kids now? They are twelve and well, about almost thirteen and ten. So, what's the big takeaway for you, Kelly? What, what what message would you have for other listeners who were thinking of taking a similar path to you? Um, well, that it's don't don't regret any of it. I mean, in the beginning, it was tough because there was no other dads around, so it was just moms, and they kind of got semi shunned from that. But hmm. you know, just we ended up. Uh, my wife, one of the uh, classes we had towards the end of the year is a dad's dance, so I ended up very much looking forward to going with the dads and hanging out at the bar for the half hour warm up before the dance mm-hmm. is just find, make sure you have like a friend or a group of friends that you can like get the outlet, get the guy outlet through. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, a regular friend you can go to the movies with or, or even bowling or even just something to go do to sort of make it sort of your check. So you don't get too, uh, essentially just lonely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great way to put it, and it's really important advice. And uh, Matt, did did you want to comment on that? Uh, well, certainly, that's one of the reasons we started City Dads Group is mm-hmm. to to provide dads an opportunity to meet other dads. Dads are terrible. I was on the playground for three years. I would see other dads probably three times a week, and we didn't say a word to each other for months. Wow. I, I mean, it just was not in my nature, and it wasn't in that guy's nature to. Hey, buddy, are you mm-hmm. here with your kid? Want to hang out? Just didn't feel natural. So mm. we're cr- we're kind of creating those opportunities, and I always tell our organizers around the country, like, try to find some other dads to say yes that they'll be at that meetup because it's hard to be the second dad to to join at a playground. You want to be the the third or fourth or fifth right. dad the that's tenth. joining a group of <laughs> right. dads versus the uh, so the mandate. So uh, we only have a minute here. Uh, Matt, is there is there a group in Seattle that Kelly could connect with and perhaps be a, uh, an advocate for? There is there is a dad's group in Seattle, but not one of ours. It's a great group, um, but so definitely connect. Maybe someday that group will become a city dad's group. That's what we've been doing with some groups around the country. I see. Uh, they they joined up. us and want to be part of what we're doing. Kelly, you are a hero to me and to many of our listeners and what you what you did. I mean, I, it shouldn't be that way. It should just be normal. But again, I, th- I think of uh, people taking on new roles in society and, and forging new paths as, uh, as having a kind of heroic mission. So thank you for sharing your story. Really appreciate your calling work and life. All right. Thank you very much. And other dads out there, don't get frustrated if they call you. Uh, if you see other moms, they say, oh, are you babysitting for a little while? Mm. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm parenting. This but, is it. They're parenting. You're but parenting. thanks. <laughs> right on, brother. All right. So, uh, Matt, in the last 30 seconds or so here, uh, I think this would be a good note to close on, it, and that is how, you know, what do you say to fathers who are out there and are, and are alone and can't connect to, you know, with other fathers, but they're in the world of, of moms and kids? Uh, what have, what did, have you learned and what advice do you give to help dads navigate that uncertain social terrain. I think now it's so easy to find dads online. There are Facebook Facebook groups for dads, uh, other ways to connect. There's there's no excuse to not find your community of dads uh, with whatever, wherever you are, you you can find it if you, if you really look. So uh, it was great advice from Kelly. Find, find another dad, find a group of dads to uh, whether online or in person to, to connect with and learn from. Mm -hmm. Matt, uh, 
as we're closing here, how can how can our listeners find out more about what you're doing and how they might get involved? Uh, we are at citydadsgroup.com. You can find all of our groups, all of our social media channels are City Dads Group. Um, you can find our, our workshops and our podcast and our uh, award-nominated blog. We have dads from all over the country writing for us, writing about fatherhood and the various aspects, and uh, it's become a great resource, uh, really supported by dads from across the country. Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the show tonight. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt Schneider about the City Dads Group. If you are a working father and you want to become more engaged in your children's lives and become more of a full partner for your spouse, talking to you guys, here's a challenge for you, an invitation for using some of what Matt and I and the callers just talked about. Here's two ideas for action for your consideration. First, experiment with taking full ownership of one small task, like breakfast on the weekend, something like that. Try that out. See what happens. Assess the impact just really quickly. Just observe how do other people in your family feel as a result of your doing this? How do you feel? Second idea, have a conversation with your spouse about standards, performance standards, let's call them, for laundry, packed lunches, room cleanliness, any other such hot issues, and seek agreement. That's your goal. See what you discover from trying to find that common ground and then acting on it. All right. I'd love to hear from you. If you try either or both of these uh, experiments, you can write to me, friedman at wharton.upenn.edu. And for more information about Matt Schneider and the City Dads Group, their meetups, workshops, podcasts, blog, much more, go to their website, which is citydadsgroup.com. Finally, please take two seconds to rate and review the Work on Life podcast on iTunes. I greatly appreciate and read all comments. It means a ton to the wonderful students on our production team to hear from you. And listeners, tell me, it feels good to share the practical ideas we're generating at the Wharton Work-Life Integration Project, because doing so tells your community, tells the world that this is an issue that matters to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work and Life. This conversation was originally recorded on my weekly radio show on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Tune in for live broadcasts of Work and Life on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. For more about today's guest and about previous guests, check out our blog at workandlifepodcast.com. Join the conversation by tweeting at Stu Friedman. And for more ideas and tools for creating harmony among the different parts of life, check out our website, totalleadership.org, and my book, Total Leadership, Be a Better Leader, Have a Richer Life. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends, family, and coworkers. Until next time, I'm your host, Stu Friedman, and I thank you for joining me.